0: You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host.
1: I am a Bedroom
0: Beethoven. (laughs) welcome people of earth to episode 119 of the podcast my guest this week is this is
2: spencer talking i am one of three members of shade for the most part we're just you know producing tracks in our little home studio which is really which before was kind of a living room in a really shitty uh rental home now we have a nice small little room with some keyboards and a dedicated studio room which is nice but <laughs> That's about it yeah
1: it's good flames <laughs> and at the trees spread the fallen leaves they're right I've been having dreams Splashing in the summer stream, Tripping, i fall in. I wanted it to happen My body turns to ice Crushing weight of paradise Solid block of gold Lying in the cold I feel right, right, right.
0: This episode is going to offer up some interesting perspectives because Spencer and Max had their big break in summer of 18 with their infectious hit Trampoline. It was followed by a Whirlwind 2019, to say the least, COVID happened, and you couldn't really use that momentum to catapult into the next phase of their careers. From a strategic business side of their careers, that had to be a punch to the gut, but they persevered, and on May 14th, they are releasing their debut album, High Dive, including the lead singer, Chelsea. They've been playing music together for over a decade, but have never put out a full-length album. So on this episode of the podcast, coupled with the support of their label, we talk about how Shade scraped an entire album, and writing a new album ends up being a true representation of the rare highs and tremendous lows all three of them have felt in 2020, and in an attempt to find joy in the most challenging year of their lives. But first, please visit bedroombedoens.com, which is the main hub of the show. There you can find all the social media channels like YouTube subscribe like comment you know the spiel show some love as it pushes the algorithms in such a way that the more i post the more you see the ultimate love shack moment is to donate to my patreon at patreon.com slash bedroom beethoven's it's a humble community filled with music lovers and for just a few bucks you can show support and in turn get special shout outs and you get access to early episodes On a small scale, it's the coolest way to be a part of what I do. And in the same vein, kind of how Spencer and Max wanted to share with you why this moment means so much to them, their new album, my new episode, Let's Get the Show on the Road. It's always nice to buy a house during a pandemic.
3: (laughs) Well, it's funny because Chelsea and I bought a house and um, Max also bought a place in D.C. So then it was right around the beginning of the pandemic. And yeah, it was it was definitely stressful, but it kind of gave us something to do, which was nice rather than just thinking about this global pandemic. We were able to we were staying busy for sure.
0: Well, what's interesting is your your mom is credited as getting you guys into music, but music was it wasn't her full time gig at all. No,
2: it was not. She was playing um, like gigs in college, Uh, but she you know she had a really tough childhood, and she kind of threw herself into into songwriting and playing guitar. That was like her big outlet. So, I think for her when she was having kids, like she knew she wanted her kids to play in like a band, and she actually played in our band when we first started. So. Uh, that was, you know, be- before we got into middle school and we realized that it was pretty fucking lame to have your mom playing bass. <laughs> in your
0: well, as, as brothers though, did you always click musically the way your mother wanted, or maybe one brother was more musical and you had to convince the other to kind of join in on this band or were you both pretty much like all in? We were pretty
2: much all in. We
3: were, yeah, we were all in. we were all in. I can't remember a time when either of us wasn't, you know, playing piano or writing songs and it was just, We we were doing it since we can, since we were five, we've uh, this was so, you know, we are twin brothers and we used to fight all the time as, as little kids. And our mom had this idea where she told us, hey, you guys should go when we were really, you know, just being crazy twins. She'd say, hey, you guys should go to the piano and write a song for Santa Claus because we had a neighborhood Santa that would come to our house every year. And we would actually write songs for him. And it was like really high pressure situation because you had to impress Santa Claus or you weren't going to get those gifts you wanted.
0: Of course. <laughs> I think the evolution is really funny. It's like You go from writing a music about Santa Claus, you're in bands called Trust Fall. It evolves into like Walking Sticks and then finally Shade. It's almost like yeah. as you grow up and evolve, these different bands uh, kind of fall off. You know, there's there has to be some trials and tribulations of these early bands while trying to find out about yourself, your sound, your footing, etc.
2: I mean, those were just three of like probably fifteen bands, different uh, incarnations of these groups, all kind of led by Spence and I, and with different members. But until until Chelsea came on the scene, we, that was kind of when we we stopped singing and realized that you know <laughs> Chelsea was going to be the uh, the centerpiece of this of this you know of this group vocally and. Which has been amazing.
0: Well, three months after you introduced yourself as Shade, you were signed and it took a decade for the debut album to come out. That's pretty, that's a rare timeline, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. So we started Shade in 2016, but uh, so it was, I guess it was, yeah. So four years since we started Shade, but since we, st- since we've known Chelsea and have been kind of writing, you know, songs together, it's been, yeah, it's been a decade since we've actually put out an album. Just yeah. a bunch of EPs and things. We're very excited to finally release the full length album, and
3: we've been very hands on with like the vinyl and and what that looks like. And um, yeah, it's always been a dream of ours to have a full length full length record, and the pieces just never lined up until now.
0: Well, how did you meet up with Chelsea? You you guys went to a Catholic high school, like an all boys high school, right? We went to all boys high school in DC
3: we were working with this producer who actually had gone to the same school like 15 years earlier or something like that 20 years earlier and um he was also working with chelsea awesome guy chris coy shout out to him and he was working with chelsea uh on a record when she was oh i guess he was just writing with her at this point and he's like you should really you should meet up with these twin brothers they're like you know right right across the the Potomac um, river from you you should go hang out with them. So we started my spacing her back in the day. Uh, <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> and she came to our show and we, we became best friends pretty much
0: immediately. Wow. And so, but a school like that though, yeah. it, it, you know, educate me a little bit. Is there a senior retreat that you go on when you go to those types of schools? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's disguised as a trip for you to look back on the four years. It's like self-reflection and interpersonal growth, right? That, that's kind of the purpose of those trips.
2: Yeah, exactly. Did you go to all-boys school too?
0: I didn't, but I know you guys did. So I just did some surface level research it. on the kind of the experiences because I, I, I have I, I don't know anything about that. I even know that, uh, what was it, DeMatha was a, was a local school that was kind of a Catholic school around that area too?
2: That was a rival school.
0: Yes. And that,
3: yes. Uh, Georgetown prep, good counsel. Yeah. It was like this whole ring of competition around these, uh, these Catholic high schools. And some of them are all boys. And um, I feel like the rivalry between the all boys schools was even more intense. Um, but Max and I didn't play any sports in high school. So I feel like we weren't as much.
2: Yeah. We were as invested you know? in that, that whole scene. I mean, just like the, you know, we were just kind of focusing on, on, the, on the tunes then and we, I don't know, but I mean, it was cool because the, the, the school we went to, even then we were kind of taking off some, some school and going to places to record and going up to New York and doing some shit and they wouldn't let us take off school like as much as we wanted. So that was, that was kind of nice having, I think private schools afford a little more flexibility on that, that kind of stuff maybe.
0: Yeah. I read, I read that in in the late sixties, a group of students from Gonzaga High School in D.C. covered the overhead lights (laughs) for the Washington Monument with purple film, causing the monument to be their school color. So I think there's like some shenanigans that goes that kind of branch off from just sports.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. I mean, there's been. I mean, there's some crazy shit that would go on at Gonzaga that would not fly in other (laughs) sports for sure. There is a. I mean, you got to tell us the story. It's pretty funny. There's, there's. This is just real quick, but.
3: It's, I don't know if it's funny. It's a little embarrassing. Mm,
2: yeah, it is. Actually, it's actually, <laughs> really, it's per, actually pretty problematic probably. But I mean, there is a, a, when we were juniors in high school, there was an all girls school that came to visit and they were, cause Gonzaga has the oldest operating theater in, in all of DC. I think well, they came to just visit the they theater. Came, they came to visit the theater. They were these all girls school. They were, came, they came to DC and they were, they, and we're like, Hey, the, the oldest operating theater in DC is right down the street from the Capitol. Like, let's go take a look. So we, you know, no one knew they were showing up and it was the middle of the lunch period. And all of a sudden a hundred, you know, pretty girls walked through the, the, the door to the cafeteria <laughs> and you could hear like a freaking pin drop off. Like, I like, there were like 300 guys just like, just, just went freaking silent. And then all of a sudden one of them, started hollering like a monkey like making little hoo 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 sounds and <laughs> okay. then next thing you know there's like <laughs> 300 guys like losing their fucking mind like jumping up on the on the on the uh tables and like just like it, it yeah. was i, I mean it, it
3: evolved into like just pure noise and
2: debauchery and I mean, not debauchery. I mean, there were no, no one was hurt during this. Yeah, yeah, nobody I, was hurt. It's just like there was, you know, ten years later, there's still like a Facebook group called like the Gonzaga prison riot that like happened in 2000 and whatever eight or something. So it was just like a very intense thing. There's a lot of testosterone in these all boys schools, and they don't know what to do with it. So they, I guess, it comes out in these fucked up ways.
0: No but, kidding. So how how does prom work in in a school like that?
2: Uh,
0: well, I mean, I
2: mean, there weren't any gay couples at Gonzaga. That's for goddamn sure. I was like the only gay kid. And I mean, the, no one was out when I was there. So you would have girls from other schools and, you know, you'd have co-ed dances and things, but prom, that's how, that's how prom would work. You know, there were a bunch of sister schools too, like in this Catholic and the Catholic, um, high school world that, you know, yeah, there's sister schools all around too, that you would have usually dances. you would take a, take somebody from that.
0: So. did you see other students maybe there that were like maybe gay but weren't coming mm-hmm. out because they thought maybe well it's a little restricting and but you could identify like yeah they're they're waiting to come out it's just the environment that we're in with the sure. you can't do it
2: I mean for sure and there's people i I have friends now that you know that that are out that were in my grade but you know it's just crazy that in all four years of high school there wasn't one kid who was who was out I mean it was a different time this was in two thousand and 2007 2008 but it was still like you know pretty shocking that no one felt like they could come out then but i mean it's also the environment i mean all boys and it's catholic school school, so um yeah but it's strange because the jesuits are pretty liberal and i don't think i don't think there would have been a ton of backlash i think
0: it just wasn't i mean mean, a lot of people can say oh well you know we didn't have little nas x or sam smith or troy Sivan, but we did we did have, you know, George yes, Michael and her. Lance Bass or whoever. So I mean, maybe that that wasn't enough with acceptance on the surface. I don't level think
2: or... Lance Bass was out then, dude. I think that was like, too, I think that he, I think even he came out like post two thousand and eight. Wow. Yeah. But still, I know you had like yeah. El- you had Elton John we'll and people, people like that. You're right, like kind of staple musicians like that. But I don't know, there wasn't like a ton of like you said there was there wasn't like choice of on Sam Smith like years for years or whatever and
0: all these icons. Can you tell me why a figure such as Marsha P. Johnson was so influential?
2: Or is it? Uh, what, I'm not sure what you're what you're what you're getting at.
0: That was maybe history's first major protest on behalf of equal rights. Maybe.
2: Oh, absolutely, definitely. I mean, this is a side note, but how even that story was like almost whitewashed with the with this movie that came out about the, the Stonewall riots and they like left out the integral um, part that trans women had in the in the movement. So yeah, Marsha P. is the shit.
1: Six in the morning, sky full of blue, watching the sun rise above. They weren't hurt at the Stonewall.
3: They were hurt on the streets outside of the Stonewall because people were throwing bottles and the police were out there with those clubs and things and their helmets on to ride helmets. We were afraid of being arrested. Oh, no, because I've been going to jail for uh, like 10 years before Stonewall I was going to jail. So I was originally up on 42nd Street. And every time we go, you know, like going out to hustle all the time, they would just get us and tell us we were under arrest. Yeah, they'd say all these drag queens under under arrest. So we start, you know, we was just wearing a little bit of makeup down 42nd Street. A lot of them are dead now. I mean, I hardly ever see anybody from those days.
1: Looking for answers to all of the questions I'll know the second you're here Looking for answers to all of the questions I'll know the second you're here
0: they they didn't even call them trans back then they just grouped them in as their cross dressers which illustrates how archaic those times were it's mm-hmm.
2: terrible no it's it's really really po- problematic i mean it's it's awful to think about i mean i'm i'm happy that there's finally you know more attention now that I w- even with the black lives matter movement there was a whole you know black trans lives matter faction that came off that i that i thought got some great visibility but, um it's been it's been a crazy Crazy year, but I mean, at least at least some positive things like that have come out of it. I feel like bringing awareness to these marginalized people that need need that kind of focus. So,
0: yeah, I think the the riots started as an un unprovoked attack by NYPD. So there's. You know, I'm not comparing that riot with Black Lives Matter, but it seems like the basis for each movement is similar. And I know you guys attended the protests for that as well. So there must have been a similar amount of pride to be able to go and voice your stance.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I I live like a 10-minute walk from the Capitol, so I'm like right down there. And uh, that it still is amazing to me that these insurrectionists, or whatever you want to call them, these terrorists, were able to breach the... Capitol walls. When we were there, I was there like a month earlier for these peaceful black lives matter movement movements that, I mean, there was a lot of energy there, but no one, there was no, uh, like, you know, I was, I was up there with, with all these people up on the, you know, the, um, up against the Capitol we marched the Capitol from the white house and, uh, no, like it was inconceivable that someone would try to like jump the fence, and like it just it seemed impossible. So I still it's still amazing to me that it was able to kind of that was able to happen. And it's a real shame because part of my the charm of living in D.C. too is being able to walk up to the Capitol and the Supreme Court. I, I would I could work out on the Supreme Court steps, and now it's just a whole other scene up there. There's huge gates everywhere. You can't get anywhere close to anything. It's, it's sad.
0: So moving forward, do you think security is always going to be like that? You don't think maybe in two, three years you'll be able to revisit you know, those steps? Or do you think security is always going to be bolstered up because of that incident?
2: I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that at least the gates will be, like all like the, the, the fencing will be removed. I mean, I'm sure they're always going to have heavier security. And I probably won't be able to run up the Supreme Court steps and like run around the columns anymore. I mean, I'm sure that that's not going to, going to happen. But I hope at least the fences come down and you can... And you can kind of like get closer.
0: Yeah, we're, t- we're taking baby steps uh, in terms of progress. Last year in Jersey, they they tore down a Columbus statue and they actually erected a statue of Marsha P. Johnson. So 30 years after her death, it's still being celebrated. So that's kind of a big deal. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, but but this album that we got coming out, the pandemic led itself to these type of feelings. You know, you felt lost, depressed, finding confidence uh Morning loss, which you don't have to get specific about, but feeling unhinged. And in turn, you both said it's your most honest body of work. So my thing is, is like, does this mean, let's say moving forward, does being in a dark place be the ideal environment to produce music going forward?
3: I think that there is value. I mean, at least with this album, definitely the stress and anxiety and And all of that shaped a lot of the songs. But I don't think it's necessarily true that you have that, that, that you can only create the best music when you're struggling. We've been writing songs for a really long time. And, you know, even with Trampoline, we, um, we wrote that song just any other day. It was like any other day. Uh, just woke up, had a great breakfast. It was a gorgeous day. And remember sitting outside and, just looking up at the leaves falling and and like just writing these lyrics um, with these guys. And uh, yeah, there, there wasn't really like, that song wasn't created out of this stressful environment, but that being said, I don't think, I think, you know, the big thing for, for us when we were writing this, this album was just being in tune with your emotions and trying to channel those feelings into the songs we were creating. And I think moving forward, that's something that's really important. I feel like we realized how valuable that is and how that creates really honest songs that we want to share with our fans.
0: Yeah, I I would hate to think that an artist, if they release 10 albums, if they have to pull motivation from 10 different places in order to do so, I'd hate to think that you guys would have to relive the type of year we had just in order to produce an honest high level of art.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. For sure. Uh, that's that's very true.
0: Well, uh, Spencer, I did want to ask you really quick. You know, you married the lead singer of Shade, Chelsea. Were there are conversations with your label with each other f- to not reveal your personal life, for that aspect to not even be public?
3: Uh, you know, maybe a little bit at the beginning. We're like, do we want to keep our private life? That was a conversation Chelsea and I had. I mean, at the end of the day, our label has been really supportive with pretty much every decision we've made. I think we realized, you know, with our fans, we've always tried to be really honest with them. And and we, as much as we can after shows, like, you know, we're always out there meeting people and, and just thanking everyone for coming to these shows and singing these songs. We're just incredibly grateful. So I think we wanted to be honest with every part of our story. So when we got engaged and everything, it was, yeah, we, we just wanted to share it with, with, uh, everybody
0: yeah i'm glad that you can be honest about that because believe it or not just 20 years ago uh jack white and meg white had a they ca- they came out in the white stripes as brother and sister because they believed the public wouldn't take a married music duo seriously and they even turned down their first record deals because of it wow,
2: wow. i didn't even know that that's crazy
0: yeah that's, that's so i maybe the stigma's changed in the last 20 years but i, I mean i read that and i was like no that's crazy
3: wow. that's wild that that's crazy i thought they just did that because they were like they're just crazy creative people and they were trying to create this this kind of more interesting story or or you know just something different i didn't realize it was because of the pressure of the industry and whatnot that's uh that's unfortunate
0: yeah jack in fact jack white took meg white's last name which is why he has that and you know people just thought the brother sister thing made sense but oh, i don't know we, we've come a long way from that 20 years so i'm glad that you could be yeah. open and honest about that wow.
2: that's crazy that's really
0: cool. So you guys had signed yeah. with a label, but your your brand wasn't making an impact at first and correct me if I'm wrong, but Chelsea was also signed to a label and it was the same thing and then boom, you guys come together and it works. And it's funny how that works. You know, everyone wants to be a solo artist, but they don't realize that hey, maybe success will come for you with the chemistry of the right people.
3: Even when Chelsea joined though, uh I mean, we started Shade 5 years ago, but but when we were writing songs with her for you know, a couple of years before that and we actually there was a long period of time where, you know, we realized that we had something like with her voice and us writing with her, but nothing was clicking. And, uh, so even before shade, we still couldn't, we weren't able to really figure out, get something to pop. But, um, I think something that really helped us through though, as just performers and songwriters is we did a shit ton of cover shows with Chelsea. So we would do, you know, four hour bar gigs at, uh, you know, these kind of, shitty dive bars and um you know playing till 1 in the morning and we did that for like at least yeah
2: i think like 2 years, probably 2 years of that
3: um and just playing together for that long night after night really kind of breaks down you know you're com- you know you just get more and more comfortable with with each other on stage and, and you just you know you're playing these these songs that are just undeniable hit songs that we were playing like bangers from like Michael Jackson and, and uh, like harmonizing Crosby stills Nash and young songs and all this stuff. So I feel like just the repetition of playing, playing these just really well-crafted songs sort of taught us a lot about how to, you know, write and produce songs
0: as well. So I think the last piece of the puzzle is, you know, we've highlighted how honest music is a priority now that you found the right people for the band As a new band, how do you get the autonomy out of the gate with a label to allow you the creative room to be yourselves and make the music you want to make and to back your baseline motivations for creating music? Because usually with record labels, you have to prove yourself before they let the leash unravel a little bit. But you're able to leave past labels that maybe they wanted you to make music that you didn't want to make. And obviously, you can be an example now. Like, hey, when you believe in the artists that you sign and give them a certain level of creative freedom and autonomy, the results can be good.
2: I think because we had been in situation like Chelsea was on Atlantic for a few years and she got kind of stuck there. Her out, al- She made a full album and it got kind of shelved and we kind of helped her get out of that situation. And Spence and I, we signed a publishing deal when we were like 18 and they kind of owned a portion of our songwriting indefinitely until we kind of were able to get out of that deal. We met like a great lawyer that we still work with now. He's actually like the oldest member of our team. Um, at least his firm is. And, uh, anyway, so we, uh, I think we like kind of knew what to av- avoid and like, you know, recognize like what, like, a, you know, over promising or, um, I-, I don't know. We just, we kind of knew when we met these guys in New York photo finish records, it's a very small team. First of all, there's only six people there. And just the conversation we had with them was just so it was really just like it was realistic. You know, they weren't promising the world. They were just like we, we you know, they believed in our production. At this point, we were producing um, the, the songs they'd heard were fully produced by Spencer and I. And then, uh, you know, it just it wasn't like they were signing us for some long development deal. Like, hey, we, we, we you know, we like your songs, but we want to get you in the studio. So and so it was like. These songs sound great. We're gonna, you know, if you guys are open, open if you guys are open to having them uh, mixed by a different mixer, we think we've got someone who can help. And uh, so, right out the gate, it was just they've they've always kind of respected um, our vision. And I mean, we scrapped an entire album before we wrote this one. So I don't know if you if you read that anywhere, um, if you knew that, but I mean, we you know we, we had an entire album kind of teed up before this pandemic that we were about to start going into mixing on and then we had this kind of realization that we weren't into the songs they didn't represent us and they weren't like based you know they were they weren't real honest tunes and anyways they they were like all right fuck it we'll 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 scrap it if you guys aren't into it and then we we wrote this next album so that was that was pretty cool of them to not you know push back on that
1: A mantra, never lose control, but I'm hungry for the money, now I gotta strike gold, sick of all you wondering, will the stars align again, I can tell you how the story ends, but you already know.
0: Also, like, I I just heard the Lamorne remix, too, which is pretty cool. How hard is it to let other producers maybe mess with your production and turn it into something different? I imagine if you're control freaks, that's, like, impossible. So you guys are very open to feedback and allowing other people to fiddle with your production.
1: Yeah,
3: totally. I mean, we've... You know, we've worked with some great producers, especially on this record. We got to work with Ariel Rekshide and um, who does like the Heim, uh, all the Heim tunes and Vampire Weekend stuff. And then this other really incredible producer, Josh Fountain, um, based out of New Zealand. And uh, yeah, I feel like maybe part of the reason why we're very open to working with other people is that Max and I work so closely together. So we're like very used to like passing off the session and having him change a bunch of stuff and then. I'll listen and then I'll start, you know, I'll, I'll work off of that. So I think just because we've always been collaborating, it kind of, it wasn't difficult to, to, um, you know, open up the, you know, open up possibility of, you know, other producers throwing their, what they've done. And I think it's different too, because, because Max and I are producers, like at the end of the day, if we're working with someone and we don't like what they're doing, like we don't have, we're not forced to be like, Oh, I guess we have to use what they did, you know? There are like just so many talented people and artists out there that that it's it is it can be a lot of fun and very rewarding you know to work with other people. I, so.
0: I love I, yeah. I want to highlight that if anyone is collaborating with you, it's because you want to work with them, not because a label stepped in and said you have to. And I think that's important for everyone to know.
3: Yeah, for sure, definitely. I mean, when we were going into creating this album, we had all these songs. Like you know, the label was like, "Who do you guys want to work with? Like, what what are you guys thinking about?" and and we, uh, you know, we we talked to these guys, these, uh, Ariel and and uh, Josh and just had a great vibe with them. And and yeah, so we were very like hands on with even, you know, choosing who we wanted to work with.
0: Is there anything about the new album High Dive uh, that we didn't cover? I want to give you guys the floor to promote it. I know it's out May 14th.
3: One thing that we're very, very excited about is this whole record has has like live orchestra strings on it and we've always wanted to have strings on our music but we finally had the opportunity to make it happen uh but this record and it's pretty pretty wild story um to keep it brief we um we had the song once upon a time that we wanted strings on and we um, reached out to this incredible string composer Jarek bischoff who's based out of la and we started collaborating with him And when it came time to, you know, actually record the strings part, the string parts that he'd created and we'd sort of, you know, fleshed out with him, he's like, I got this Macedonian orchestra. Like, whoa, Macedonian." He's like, yeah, there is these, this Macedonian orchestra. Um, they have this, this incredible studio there and we should try. He's like, I actually haven't worked with them yet personally, but we should give it a shot. So we, you know, we zoomed in with uh, Oleg, who is the uh, conductor there, and there's you know 13 Macedonians masked up and masked up in this really beautiful space, and um, we just got these incredible string performances. Um, so after that, we we probably did five or six uh, like sessions with the Macedonian um, orchestra, and yeah, so this record has has strings pretty much on the entire album. I love
0: that. I got to go back and listen to that with fresh ears now. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. Well,
0: um, I think that's the, that's the finish line. Max Spencer, this might've been the most civil and productive conversation between a Cowboys and some Redskin fans in the history of mankind. So I I, I thank you both for being (laughs) here. Oh man. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a bunch. That was that was fun.
0: Yeah, on the 27th of May, you guys are doing a Twitch live stream, and I just want to let everyone know that it's free, so what have you got to lose? In the summer, you guys are all over the place performing in Las Vegas to Austria to shytown Town, so everyone go to ShadeBand.com for tickets and info, and I, I hope the world opens back up fully, and you guys can go back to the 930 Club, and more happiness and success is flooded in your life. Uh, man, I appreciate you both. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you, man. Thank you. Have a great day.